Hello, I'm Maureen Conway. I'm a vice president at the Aspen Institute and executive director of the Institute's Economic Opportunities Program. At the Aspen Institute's Economic Opportunities Program, our mission is to advance policy strategies and ideas to help working people and small businesses thrive. We are particularly focused on ideas to address the systemic inequities that influence access to opportunity. One's gender, race, or home zip code should not determine whether one has access to a good job or the chance to start a business. Uh, today, we are in an extraordinary time. Uh, the rapid changes in our economic landscape that have accompanied the coronavirus epidemic are having a devastating impact on both low-wage workers and on small businesses. In the coming weeks, we'll be following how the crisis unfolds and bringing ideas forward as we uh, take our Opportunity in America conversation series uh, to a virtual format um, and, and bring it online. Um, as always, we are grateful to the Ford Foundation, Prudential Financial, the Walmart Foundation, the Cerdna Foundation, and MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth for their support of our work. So today, today's numbers about unemployment are simply devastating. Nearly 3.3 million people filed for unemployment just last week. This is historic, uh, over four times higher than we've ever seen before. That's millions of people who are suddenly without an income and may also be suddenly without health insurance in the midst of a global pandemic. The human costs of this economic dislocation are truly profound. So, what can be done to help individuals that are suddenly without, un, without employment? Well, that's what unemployment insurance is for. So today in the midst of a rapidly growing unemployment crisis, we will talk about unemployment insurance, how it works, who it works for, how it might be better. Uh, and to have this conversation, we've turned to a leading expert in unemployment insurance, uh, Rebecca Dixon, Executive Director of the National Employment Law Project, which I will refer to as NELP. Um, Rebecca is a great friend also to the Aspen Institute. Uh, she is a member of the Economic Opportunities Program Advisory Council. Uh, she is also a SOAR Fellow. It's the first fellowship the Aspen Institute has had with uh, fellows focused on issues pertaining to women and girls. So, um, uh, so we call on Rebecca for many, many things, but today we are calling on Rebecca for her tremendous expertise um, in unemployment insurance system and how that all works. Uh, during the last uh, uh, Great Recession, uh, Rebecca did tremendous work to advocate for the expansion of unemployment insurance um, and to make sure that it was covering many families. Um, and, th and that system was really uh, critical to helping so many families uh, make it through that, that terrible crisis um, and not sink uh, into poverty. Um, she's also done many other tremendous things. Um, her bio's on our website, her website, all over the place, so I encourage you to learn more about her. But um, she's the perfect person to be talking to now in the midst of this crisis and how, uh, you know, now that we've all come to realize um, what a really truly critical part of our social safety net uh, unemployment insurance really is. Uh, so Rebecca, thank you. I know you're super, super busy at the moment, uh, so we really appreciate your taking the time to talk with us today. But um, you know, before we kind of jump into the set of questions, I just I just wanted to give you a moment to um, comment on where we are now. 
Sure, Maureen. As you said, um, it's an unprecedented time that we're in. 3.3 um, million jobs lost last week, which is about a 1,500% increase from the week prior. Um, and, you know, we're looking at losing 14 million jobs by the summer. Um, it's just a massive amount of loss. And um, it's, you know, this is what the unemployment insurance program was built for. Um, I do think it does deserve an, an overhaul and an upgrade so that the structural and systemic um, parts of it that are excluding workers are permanently fixed. Um, but this is what it was, it was designed to do. So it's going to kick into gear and me and lots of other advocates and workers are going to um, join together to make sure that uh, workers who are eligible actually know that they can apply and, and get the benefits. Great. Great, thank you. So before we go too deep into sort of the, the stimulus package and what that might mean and, and what we want to see federal, the federal government and states do now, um, let's just for to, you know, sort of set the table, let's just kind of do a review of the basics. So unemployment insurance, it's a, it's a federal state system. So can you give us sort of just the, the quick overview, what the federal government responsible for, what the state's responsible for? Sure. So it is a federal state hybrid in the sense that the federal government um, provides sort of a baseline of rules um, for the states, but the states have broad leeway to determine most elements of the program. So for instance, they determine how much uh, the weekly benefit amount will be. They determine how many weeks they'll pay. They determine um, the rules, um, most of the rules related to how uh, folks can apply for the benefits. And so in this time, we're going to see states having different reactions um, based on what their benefits are. We know that after the recession, several states reduced their benefits. And so they're going to have less economic opportunity and less of a safety net for their folks than for the states that did not. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, so for so two people seeking unemployment benefits, um, how who has typically been covered well, and who's kind of been falling through the cracks, and and also what how much help have people been been getting from from the system? Sure. So I'll start with the second question first. So unemployment insurance benefits were designed to replace about fifty percent of the average weekly wage. Um, in some states that's true, but in most states that's not true. And so the, the weekly benefit amount ranges from a maximum of around $235 to a maximum of around $600. So it depends on the state that you live in. Um, and then who has who the program traditionally worked for? So we know that this program was designed as part of the New Deal in the 1930s. And so it was designed for um, you know, male workers who are working full-time. Um, and at that time, mostly for white male workers who are working full-time. And so the, the fact that these inequities were baked into the system, um, you know, continue to show up today. There are lots of workers who are still excluded, including workers who do domestic work and some agricultural workers. And so we know that um, we can make the system work better um, for workers. Um, and low-wage workers are also less likely to be covered because they don't meet the requirements for um, earnings for, for the benefit program. Yeah, great. And just to build on that point about sort of how it was designed in the New Deal, um, you know, our, our current 
we're seeing a lot of holes in our safety net. But and now, in particular, you focus on uh, you focus on issues for all workers, but you have a particular concern uh, for uh, lower wage workers and, and workers of color. And 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 you yourself have a lot of expertise in sort of the ways that uh, workers of color have have often been uh, kind of left out. Um, so, can you talk about how that applies, particularly to the unemployment insurance system? How does how does how is that sort of sure. left out works of color? Sure. So the unemployment system is designed to cover, to best cover workers who have like a standard schedule, right? So like you and I do, where we work from eight to five or nine to five, um, and we have steady- Or longer. <laughs> or longer. And we have steady earnings from week to week. Um, but for low wage workers, they're often, um, you know, subject to, to varied scheduling. So they may have 20 hours this week and they may have 10 hours next week. And so when you go to apply for unemployment insurance benefits and, and the state looks at your earnings, those workers are often not able to qualify for UI, particularly if we're talking about restaurant workers, tipped workers. Mm -hmm. They may not have enough earnings to actually be able to take advantage of the program. And I would say another big piece is that um, this would not surprise you, but the education level has a lot um, to do with whether folks even apply for the program. I mean, most folks don't know that if you're fired, even if you're fired, in most cases, you can still collect unemployment insurance. And so just even that knowledge is, is often missing. And so we, we know that a lot of low wage workers and workers of color don't actually apply for the benefits in the, in the first place. And that's how they end up not receiving them. That's another big factor. Yeah, great. Okay, so um, so as we mentioned at the beginning, we're now seeing, unfortunately, millions of people now losing their jobs, people in hotels, restaurants, airports, arts and entertainment communities, uh, companies, lots of businesses, large and small, laying people off. Um, uh, how, how well prepared is, is the unemployment insurance system to just kind of manage this level of volume? So it's actually not very prepared because the funding that states receive from the federal government to run their programs is based on the unemployment rate from last year, which was very low. So compared to when we were in the recession, states have really pared down the staffing to support unemployment insurance. And so they're having to ramp up in the face of this basically unprecedented surge of applications. Um, the good news is that the Families First Act included um, a billion dollars to, to go to states to help them with administration. So we hope that that money gets to them quickly and that will allow them to staff up and uh, to beef up their programs where they can um, process these claims. Yeah, great. Um, one of the things that's been a lot in the conversation about work last year is sort of the increasing fishering work and more people who are sort of gig workers or platform workers or self-employed and in these kinds of irregular arrangements. Um, so, and as you know, demand for the services of Uber drivers and others kinds of dries up, um, are they eligible for unemployment or how does that work? I would say in a, in a normal time, they are not eligible. Um, and that's usually because in most states, they're classified as independent contractors. So self-employed rather than being an employee of a company. Um, and so in normal times, they are not eligible, but there is uh, legislation, the CARE Act, that's moving through Congress right now uh, that would create a pandemic unemployment program that's modeled after the disaster unemployment program 
which is specifically for workers who are not covered in the other program. So if that goes through and is signed by the president, they will actually receive coverage. And then there are some states that are moving to cover them. Great. Um, so we talked a little bit about workers of color, but we, um, uh, interestingly, uh, didn't talk about women workers. Um, uh, this is something else that I, I know you're, you think about. And, you know, and we also are in a particular time where um, with school closures and daycare centers closing and all of uh, those social distancing measures, people are, you know, even if they could go to work, maybe they can't go to work because they have to cover their, their care responsibilities. So um, can you talk about like sort of how unemployment insurance has worked for women workers in general, but also whether sort of you think that the current crisis might, might shift how people think about the unemployment insurance system and coverage for workers who need to leave work to, for caregiving reasons? Sure. So in general, there's a couple of things that put women at a disadvantage in the program. One is that they are more likely to work part-time. And in some states, being available only for part-time work disqualifies you for unemployment insurance. So you may meet the earnings requirement, but then because your availability is just part-time, in some states that is enough for you to be denied, and that tends to um, prevent women from drawing the benefits. And then the other big piece is that women, like workers of color, like our labor market is very segregated and, and stratified by race and gender. And so we know that women make up two thirds of the 40 lowest paying occupations, such as retail and restaurant work. And these are also jobs that are on the front lines if they're still open in terms of safety concerns, but lots of them have closed as well. So women have been at a disadvantage in those two ways in particular. Great. Okay, so last night, uh, the Senate passed a $2 trillion stimulus package, um, and unemployment benefits are an important part of the package. So um, what are the key things that, that you think people should know um, about what's in the package related to unemployment insurance? So it's, uh, it's an amazing package, um, which is, you know, there are it's not comprehensive, so there are, of course, folks who are not going to be covered, including undocumented workers, but it does provide $250 billion investment in unemployment insurance through the end of the year. Um, and how that shows up is that there's an extra $600 for each claimant, so on top of whatever your state benefit amount is, and that is to try to get workers to the average wage to sort of replace the wage for the average worker. So the average worker in the United States makes about $1,000 a week. And so if their UI benefits, say in New York, your UI benefit maximum is in the $400 range. So this $600 would get you closer to what your actual wages were for, for a short period of time through July. And we know that that's not gonna be enough, but it's a good, it's a good start. Um, it also puts in 13 weeks of additional um, of benefits. So that would, um, allow folks to have more time, particularly now with so much shutdown in the economy, um, it's very hard to find a new job. And so this, this is going to be super important to keeping families afloat. And then the last piece we touched on earlier is this pandemic unemployment program that's modeled after the disaster unemployment insurance program. And what's really great about that is it does reach gig workers and independent contractors and the self-employed. Um, which, you know, often get left out um, 
of these these kinds of coverage and this kind of safety net. Great. So um, as when you were looking at the stimulus package and you saw what they did, um, I'm just curious, sort of how did that line up with what you were what you were hoping for? Um, what sort of a grade do you give the Senate on on this one? <laughs> How'd they do? I think in in this um, in the CARE Act, there's definitely lots of things in there that we were supportive of um, and are excited that are going to be um, rolled out in the states to support families. Um, I would also say that one of the things we've been pushing and and trying to get attention to is that the all of these things in the federal bill they overlay onto the state law systems so if your state law system is inadequate or has uh, lots of rules that disqualify folks then that's going to show up in the federal support as well and so really the sort of the piece that's missing is not having any kind of long-term structural change so the, the the benefit measures are all temporary and expire either in july or at the end of the year Mm-hmm. Great. Well, that leads me to my next question. So, so what would you like to see as long-term structural change? You know, how how could this be uh, instead of a short-term fix? Maybe, you know, figuring out long-term how to, how this should work. Well, we talked about earlier how the unemployment insurance system is a unique federal-state um, hybrid, and because it's a federal-state hybrid, certain states offer better protection to their workers than others do. Mm-hmm. So we had about 10 states that reduced their weeks of benefits from 26 weeks, which was the customary maximum that was present in all states until after the recession, um, down to, in Florida, down to 12 weeks. So wow. reduced the, the coverage quite a bit. I will say that, excitingly, several states have overturned that. So Michigan, um, by executive order, the governor has uh, overturned that. They have gone from 20 weeks back up to 26. And the same is true in Kansas and and Alabama. So we are seeing some states uh, restoring those benefits, but that having a a 26 week federal standard would go a long way towards making sure that no matter what state you live in, you have some some level of coverage. Um, Also, there is no requirement around how much the benefits have to be. And so if there was a a federal standard for the amounts of benefits that would shoot to cover around 50% of the average wage, that would go a long way to improving um, what this program can do for workers when when they lose their job. Mm -hmm. So shoot to have the states have the benefits cover the 50% of what's the average wage in their state. Mm Um, great. So are there other things um, on, on the state side, are there other things you would be looking um, for states to do to think about, you know, why do we make this permanent rather than temporary or just ways they can set their system up better for the long term? Sure. So there's this, um, this mechanism called base period, and it's really simple. It's just the, the look back period. So where we look back, how, how far we look back to see if you have enough wages to qualify for the program. And there is an alternative uh, base period that states can implement that would actually uh, bring more low-wage workers into the program. So we would definitely advocate for that. Um, We talked about earlier where women get excluded because of being available for work on a part-time basis. I think in this moment, particularly where we see folks having to come home and take care of small children and school-aged children and 
do homeschooling and all these things that being available part-time is perfectly respectable. And so states could get rid of those rules that um, exclude uh, folks who have part-time availability. And then um, depending on why you leave a job, um, it's called good cause. And so some things that are pretty relevant right now, like compelling family reasons. So if you have to care for a sick relative or yourself, um, a lot of the states do have that as good cause for unemployment insurance. So the rest of the states should adopt that. Yeah, yeah, great, terrific. Um, so, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning, the unemployment insurance was a big part of how we responded to the to the need in the in the Great Recession, and you did you did a lot of a lot of work on that. Um, and I'm just curious, as you think about what we're facing now, are there some lessons from that experience that that we should be keeping in mind as we confront what looks like it could be an even more severe crisis? Sure, and I, I would even take us back a little further because this, this is shaping up to be more like a depression, right, than a recession. Um, we, we know that in times of crisis, it's often when we pull together as a country and we decide to take on sort of these sort of long-standing structural issues. So for instance, during um, the Great Depression, the New Deal programs came into being. Um, I would say, you know, there were, there were ways in which the program ramped up in the Great Recession, but in both of those instances, there were also large gaps for workers that were not covered. And so I think the lesson from the, both of those situations is to be inclusive with our policy and with our solutions um, and the support that we're trying to provide to families. Mm -hmm. Great, um, thank you. Um, so, uh, you know, Many, many, um, many small businesses. I mean, we're we're reaching out to a lot of organizations we work with that work with small businesses and nonprofits, and you know, are are really struggling now with their cash flow, right? So many of these organizations are having to lay off workers um, uh, just to to keep their doors open and hopefully sur survive as an organization. Um, but is there something that they should know about? You know, what what should they tell their workers with respect to um, unemployment insurance or other ways that their workers might be able to get help? Sure. One of the ways that, um, that they could help their workers would be to go ahead and proactively uh, reach out to the state agency um, and verify the employment of those folks so that like it takes about two to three weeks for you to start to receive payment from your state and a lot of that is going back and forth with the employer to verify wages, to verify why the person left the job. And so if employers would just proactively provide that information, that would help get the money into the pockets of their workers much more quickly. Okay, great. That's good to know. Um, are there uh, any resources that you would like to refer people to um, if they're looking for more information about unemployment insurance uh, in their state or, or if they'd like to learn more? I would encourage them to uh, go online to their state's website. Almost all of the states um, have uh, websites and they regularly update the frequently answered questions. So that would be where I would recommend they go. Um, and for folks that don't have access, um, making sure that you uh, make the phone call. It may take a while to get through at this point, um, given the unprecedented number of claims. Yeah, great. 
Great. Well, thank you, Rebecca, so much. We, again, really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. Um, this information is really useful, really timely, um, and hopefully it helps uh, a lot of folks um, get the help that they need in, the, in this crisis. Um, and uh, we'll be uh, back again with other conversations around Opportunity in America and how we can uh, start to rebuild and restore Opportunity in America. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs>